Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Detroit Free Press presents Talkin' Lions, your audio home for all things Honolulu blue and silver. Here is your host from the Detroit Free Press, Dave Burkett. Dave Burkett here along with Carlos Menares, the day after D-Day maybe, Carlos? I don't know. The uh, D-day, it's D-day decision plus one. day, decision day, D-day that is. That's uh, how we say it in the military, right. Dave. The... Uh, the Lions obviously made the decision yesterday to bring Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn back for the 2020 season. Uh, certainly we'll get into our game predictions here before long. Uh, but let's talk about that first, We're Carlos. doing predictions today? We're going to do them today oh, because okay. we okay. you're not going to be here Friday, right? Today is Wednesday. I know, but you're not here Friday, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so, so we usually do Thursday. We, we do a Wednesday video, Friday video, podcast, whatever, everything now. Let's do another one tomorrow. Come on, let's do a prediction tomorrow. We thought we were going to do our Christmas one tomorrow. We have look. We there have is. some things to figure out. Let's do our prediction one today. I can't if believe we need you haven't to do our... this, Dave. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm very much the pre planner. You know that. Um, but let's get back into the topic at hand because our our arguments are done. I mean, we've spent the past right. month and a half, yeah. I guess, arguing about the proper course of business for the lines and what they should do with Matt Patricia and. Uh, you know, who's to blame, who shares in the blame for everything that's going on this season. Is that a cigarette on the floor right there, by the way? Uh, forget that. We're just in this this room over here. Uh, no, no. Oh, for those of you who are listening on the, the podcast version of this, we're in this uh, soundproof room here at Lions headquarters. And I guess it's just a piece of the foam that's on the wall, whatever this is. But um, uh, regardless, it looked like a cigarette. All right. Excuse my uh, got off topic there. This is Matt Patricia. Are 20 minutes I know, long. right? Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn back. Go. What do you think? It was the right decision, as I said all along. You know, I think you need to give them, you need to give them more time. There was there were positive things, as I said the whole time. You looked at it was two seasons. It was the Matthew Stafford season and then the non Matthew Stafford season. Neither one were very good, but there were signs. And I think I think <laughs> beyond beyond the unthinking monkeys who just look at the score and that's it. You know, the people who actually watch the games, Dave, as you know. Um, instead of tweeting all the time, they, they you should be focused on. I'm interacting with the people. Happened. I know you're you're the man of the people. Um, but look at the totality. Look at the locker room. Look at the the draft picks. Look at the pro personnel that they've added. Look at um, how the team was you know trending. If they hadn't gotten jobbed in Green Bay, you know, with the Trey Flowers job, that sounds like an editorial stolen. comment. Yeah. Yeah. No? The, oh no, I wrote it. They got they got uh, they got. Uh, unfairly uh, penalized in those situations. So, so they, they did a great job getting off the field beyond those those penalties, huh? Well, it wasn't all sterling, of course, but I think what you see is that there were signs that they were improving. And, you know, let's be real, right? They still had three, Patricia and Quinn had three years on their contract. That'd be a lot of money for them to eat. And what if you hire another coach and he's absolutely horrible and he goes one in 15 and then you got to fire them after two. Then you're paying two coaches like, 
at the same time, you know what I mean? Oh, it's too much. You always look at the negative. I mean, the, for a while there, Real. you got back to the positive side of things, and you were always silver lining cars. No, there's silver lining sign, cloud nine cars. You, you were looking at the positive side of things. But there, what if this happens? What? No, what if you hire a winner, a Super Bowl winner? What? I mean, what if you think positive, man? Right. What? You, well, things can be better than what they are. That's that's just, you know. Oh, I don't know, man. Matthew Stafford. He's he's found some success <laughs> under Daryl Bevel. We don't want to change it up. Well, guess what? Maybe you change it up and it gets better. Same thing with the, the, the coaching. Reg- can I, can I yeah, ask you go, really quick, go. do you mind? Can I steal that idea and put it in a bumper sticker? Things can always be better. That's <laughs> the, that should be the Lions bumper sticker since 1957. So can I, t- can I incorporate that? Can I take that as a TM? What was um, Lamar Jackson, the shirt that he wore? Like, uh, no one cares, work harder, right? Something like that. No one cares about the injuries. No one cares about, you know, sort of the, the referee's calls. No one cares about that. Work harder. Get it right. Get it done. That's the bottom line. That's my quarterback. Well, that's my quarterback. I think I think that you know I need to point you at a dirt, very me? point you oh, toward point a very it was a pretty good story on Sunday in the Free Press about Dick Vermeil <laughs> uh, finding success. You know, coaches who found success after not great starting uh, tenures. Um, you know, so I I think that I mean the reality of the contracts, the re, the the looking at the nuance of where this team is. How Matthew Stafford played well under Daryl Bevel. Um, it wasn't what you wanted, and I, I think the Fords, you know, they were right. By the way, to to do this, to get ahead of it, to sit down with you know select media members, and have a you know long conversation about things, and say they weren't happy with the, you know, with the with the result. And by the way, I do respect. I really respect Sheila Ford Hamp for saying. We understand. We hear. We know this is not a popular decision. They acknowledge that. She acknowledged that. But. We believe in something else. We believe that this is right. the way forward. So you're sticking to your convictions, you know, for whatever reasons they have, their, their convictions, but they, they are acknowledging and respecting that the fans believe something else. So I think that's okay. I think that and, and, and getting ahead of it, um, you know, was the right thing. So I, I wanted to, you know, let you, I don't know, have your moment since you were saying they were going to come back and they should have and everything. But I was right. Really, I've been right about everything. Really, Just say it. I don't know about that. But really, I wanted to talk about that meeting in, in the future more than anything here, right? And um, you're right. Uh, look, I, I think there are reasons we're genuine. I mean, certainly money plays into it. and so, I mean, there, there's all kinds of factors, right, that you take into account. Um, the, the fan angst, the, you know, the fan hatred of this move, that's something that they, they certainly considered as to whether they should get rid of uh, this regime for, for those reasons, you know, because this is an incredibly unpopular move. I mean, I, I was listening to... Uh, my friends at 97.1 today on the the drive down, and I don't think there was a caller that called in that was in support of it. I mean, it was there's a lot of there's a lot of negativity about this move. There was a no lot caller. Mike Sullivan didn't punch the guy who was in support of it. No, you're gone. You're so, gone. You're no, gone. no, this was before. This anger was, top row, Valeni, right there. This was stony early in the morning. Stony, Actually, okay. I, I, when I took my my daughter to school, and then <laughs> Doug in, in in Gator on the way in. No Gator today, but but Doug on the way in. So I didn't I didn't hear who who Sully put on the air, but um. Regardless, I think um, you're right. This is an incredibly unpopular move. They recognize that. Um, and so it does take you know, some, some gumption, I guess, to, to make that when you know that it's going to be the unpopular move. But the, the thing that I came away with most from, from that, that sit down yesterday was, um, and I, I think we talked about this a little bit before. I've mentioned it elsewhere, that um, this move was like – this was the Ford family flexing a little bit and Sheila in her position. I mean, I, I said it on the radio, like that it, it was kind of a boss move. Like she, you know, I came away and, and for those out there who don't know, I mean, the Ford family rarely speaks publicly. Um, this was the first time 
Um, Just recap, who was at the who was speaking okay. at the This meeting? was Rod Wood, uh, Martha Ford, Sheila Ford-Hamp, um, and there were five writers there. And this was, you know, primarily a background meeting, so there's not a lot, you know, that we can share from it, but just sort of a state of the team, you know, deal. And uh, it was a good 30 minutes, 35 minutes. And um, again, for those who don't know, Martha Ford had done one impromptu press conference where she took questions. That was the first training camp she took over as owner. And she spoke for a minute and 24 seconds, if I remember right. Um, Is it that long? Yeah, right. <laughs> We've had, you know, there's been cordial conversations. You see them and say hi at right. the owners' meetings. But they, and Martha obviously talked when they, uh, when she fired, you know, Bob Quinn. No I'm questions. sorry, not Bob Quinn, uh, Martin Mayhew and yeah. Tom Milan. Yeah, didn't take any questions, but made a statement there. So there have been some other small ones. But, but I thought yesterday's sit down was, um, I think it was important for them to get out there and, and for us to hear them a little bit so we can share their message with, with the fans. But it also told me a little something that, look, when you are a head coach, a GM, when you come to the Lions, you think that you have, you know, you're walking into a situation where um, there is, you know, the expectation is that ownership is very hands-off. Um, they give you a lot of time. There's lots of patience. And yesterday, I mean, they flipped the script. Like, they were out there and they said, these are our expectations. You need to meet them next year. They put a timeline on it. And I know what the, the, the quote was and what the, the, the letter to the fans said, playoff contender. But believe me, the, the, the tone, the, the feeling that I got was that it's playoffs or bust, you know, that, that there has to be some significant step forward next year. And this was them going out publicly after they talked to their coach and GM, something they never do, and sitting down and saying, look, we are very disappointed in the season, and this is not at all where we expect it to be. And, yes, we're bringing them back, and, yes, we see some redeeming qualities in, in what this regime has built. But, mind you, if this doesn't change and change quick and change dramatically, there will be big changes to come. And so I thought for them to, to make that step publicly, that just told me a lot about, I don't know, the – not just the expectations and, and where they want this thing to head and where they think this thing is heading, but um, you know, it was them flexing their their muscle as, as owners a little bit too, and saying that we are not going to stand for for this anymore. You got one one final chance, and only because of that Matthew Stafford injury and some of the things we saw early on. But you need to get this thing fixed and fixed right. Yeah, and that that's you know. Um, is it going to be is 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 eight and eight? Or you know nine and seven squeaking into the playoffs and getting demolished going to be good enough, um, and I think that's where you know you're teasing me about this, but you have to look at the totality of where the organization is is headed. You know Matt Patricia has been banging that drum about process. I'm sure Bob Quinn will do the same thing. Right? Is you we we don't ever want to call this a rebuild when it in fact has been pretty much a rebuild, but you know, we've, we've kind of taken it down to the studs, bringing it back up, trying to like do some, you know, change a lot of stuff, the culture in the building, the people who are here, the valuation process, the kind of players that they have, the way that they interact with them, the way everything, right? They wanted, they wanted to change so much that that wasn't going to be a quick fix. Everybody always wants it to be a quick fix. They want the, they want to hire, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the Chicago coach and get to the and draft a quarterback and get to the playoffs within a year or two and Matt Nagy. win Matt Nagy and get and win a division title. You know, everybody, everybody, everybody wants that. Everybody wants the quick thing. And that's that's what the NFL sells mostly is that hope that hey, teams do it all the time. Why can't we do it right? And they do. And they do. The Lions and the Browns are exceptions <laughs> that they don't for some reason. But um, so that vision, you know, and, and and presumably they believed in that vision and 
early on because they hired these guys, right? They hired Bob Quinn, they hired Matt Patricia. They believe in that vision. If they still believe in the vision, if the coach, if they still believe in what the Lions are are saying to them, the coaches and Bob Quinn, and they're seeing some progress, and you can you can believe in like let's let's see next year a little healthier. You know, um, they massage the roster a little bit more. Stafford doesn't get hurt. The problem is going to be the gray areas, right? And this is what's going to make 2020 fascinating for the Lions. I think is the the directive to have to win from ownership directly from ownership saying this. And how do you do that exactly with one one key figure, I think, is Matthew Stafford, is that he now has two straight years, different back injuries. Um, you know, he has proved he's he's going to turn 32. He's proved in his career to, to, to be really good, heal, a, a quick healer and play through tough, through injuries, tough guy, all this stuff. But, you know, father time is undefeated. You know, yep. he just, it, you you can see him getting hurt again. And what is the, what is the, this is the topic that a lot of the writers are talking about right now is do you draft for a quarterback or do you bring in another quarterback, a Ryan Fitzpatrick type guy? But what happens if Stafford does get hurt, that quarterback catches fire? Is there a quarterback controversy? We know the Fords really respect Matthew Stafford and I think they really want to win with Matthew Stafford. So there's a potentially a little bit of a political issue here is are, do you have carte blanche to go sign Colin Kaepernick, the best free agent quarterback out there? Or no, you have to dra- you have to sign or draft the right kind of quarterback who's not necessarily going to threaten Matthew Stafford. So there's a whole well, dynamic in play with Stafford going I, forward. I, I think there, um, you know, that's one of the risks, I guess, of doing this is that, um, look, there may be, you know, I asked Matt Patricia this on his conference call yesterday. Um, at some point, right, you know, part of this, the, 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 the team building, the franchise building thing is you have to also take into account the, the future interests of your team, right? Right, right? And look, it may be a case where, you know, the, the best player for the Lions to draft would be a Tua Tavaglioa, you know, or, or there may be that, you know, at, at what point do you take a quarterback? Do you take that young back up in the draft because you still need to build for the future? But do you take it in the second round when that second rounder can really help you on the field? You know, do you take it in the first round when you know you're going to have to take a year for that guy to develop rather than getting an impact player right away? And obviously in a situation where, you know, that, that Matt and Bob are in now where you need to win right now, we know what they're going to do, right? You're not drafting a quarterback in round one now. You know, you're, you're taking that defensive player that's going to help you right away. So um, I think there's certainly some risk there. And you mentioned the, the, the Stafford, you know, injury history of late. Um, that's something that, you know, it, look, if it pops up again, I mean, then I, I think ultimately it's going to be the next regime's decision to, on how to proceed forward with that. You know, like, um, I don't think that, that this regime would be able to use a Matthew Stafford injury as an excuse for a second straight season. And that's your point, why they need to go out and get some sort of reliable backup this off season. So you're going to see them. I think, you know, my sense here is, um, yes, you know, the Fords, they, they like, you know, some of the, the direction that, that this team was headed before the injuries. And yes, they, they buy into injuries as an excuse for where they are now. And, um, you know, they, they also think that with some small changes or some major changes to the, the coaching staff, some roster additions, that this thing can take a big leap forward next year. Um, but, you know, you don't have unlimited free agent dollars and you're going to have to spend some of that on, on getting a, a, a reliable backup quarterback just because of what's gone on with Matthew Stafford the last two years. So there are still some very big decisions, some very important decisions, 
you know, for this franchise to make and for Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia to make in the offseason. Let me ask you, if, if you're Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, you're two people in one, so it's kind of interesting. I'd have a lot of money. You would have a lot of money. Um, if you're those guys and you know you're working for your job, you're, you have to save your job this year, you have to do, what is the number one thing that you would focus on? Off-season you're talking about? Off-season, whether it's player edition, coaching changes, whatever it might be, what's the number one thing that you would focus on if you know your job yep. is already, like, in peril? Well, look, I mean, the, the first thing they're going to end up dealing with is the coaching changes. They're going to... Not first all, thing. No, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that uh, the defensive staff, that's going to come up first. But I don't think that's most important because this is Matt Patricia's defense. And it's not like you're going to go out and get somebody who's going to totally overhaul the defense because then you have to overhaul personnel again. Right. So this is Matt Patricia's defense no matter who the coordinator is. Um, the most important thing that they do is who they take with that top five draft pick because that person should be needs to be an impact player right away he needs to be a foundational player for the the long-term success of this team now right away as a rookie maybe he's not going to have you know as big of an impact but i think that player can we see what nick bosa does with the san francisco 49ers we saw denzel ward last year with with the cleveland browns i think if you have the right defensive player they can step in and make a significant impact as a rookie now, apart from that, obviously you have some big free agent decisions pending. You know, you're going to have to spend some of your money on Kenny Galladay, re-up him. You have a, a trade potentially with Darius Slay. Um, you're going off the rails. No, no, I'm, but like the these are all one. decisions. But the number number one. one is that draft pick because if you are Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, again, your objective is to be here long term and to build this thing long term, right? right? It's not just to win in 2020. You have you to have win to in 2020. Think, but you have to win in 2020 to be here and beyond. Right. But again, the most important thing is that that top five draft pick because that's somebody that, in theory, is going to help you win for ten years, not just for one. All right. So for Josh, tell me why I'm right. Yeah. So for Coach Josh McDaniels in the future, that'll Chase Daniel will be awesome for him. So to me, Chase Daniel, Chase Young. Chase, yeah. Play like Dong I mean, for Young. Chase Young. There's too many Chases running around. Um, no. So the the correct answer is the quarterback, the backup quarterback, because there's no other position, and we've seen it for the first time this year with Matthew Stafford. Hey, credit to Jeff Driscoll. Even David Blau has played pretty well, you know, in relief. But you cannot have – you cannot have the – they're not going to get the excuse of Stafford a second straight year. They have to be prepared, and I think that's a, that's going to be a whole negotiation between Bob Quinn and you know Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, and ownership of listen. This is who we need to address: either a veteran, solid dude, we got to spend some money here, or make a trade, or whatever it is, and get somebody out there who we who fits our system, who we can who can not miss a beat, come in, be his own guy, run the run the you know the offense because you you could have won some of those games. They were so close in some yep. of those games when Jeff Driscoll came in. You know, like this is where you need to win games and save your job. You can't worry about the future. And I'm not saying you have to I don't think drafting a, a quarterback in the first round, you know, whoever it is, I don't think that's the answer. You know, but either maybe a little further down the in the draft, you know, second, third round, whatever it is. And whenever people think about draft picks, by the way, it's always, they're like these precious diamond encrusted draft picks. And how angry are people that TJ Hawkinson and Jelani Tavai, the number one and number two picks this year, you know, like how would you rather had a better quarterback, you know, uh, I don't know, whoever, um, than, than either of those guys. Yes. And they could have potentially helped, you know, win a few games, kept them in the playoff hunt. And, Playing meaningful games in December, playing not being eliminated, embarrassingly like by Thanksgiving, by 
going in December, giving yourself a chance, right? That's the quarterback. There's just no other position like it in football or any other sport where it's so, so important. And you can't just hope that Stafford is completely fine next year. Hope is not a strategy. Not, um, I've heard that before. That should be the name of our podcast, Hope is Not a Strategy. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I think... I mean, I understand what you're saying, and, and certainly, you know, the quarterback position is the most important um, in the by NFL far. by far. But I don't think the backup quarterback is the most important, or even the most important thing for this team. Because, look, the reason why they haven't signed a good backup in the past hasn't been about the lack of available backups. I, I mean, it's been about money. They just haven't wanted to spend that money. They know they need to spend that money now, which means they can go out and get a. Case Keenum or a Nick Foles if he becomes available or whoever they can get that guy that guy is out there to be had mm -hmm. so I I don't you know whereas when you're picking in the top of the draft like um, certainly the insurance is important for Matthew Stafford given his health but a we don't know what sort of impact he'll have B I think you have a lot of you know, mediocre options that are all the same, but better than Jeff Driscoll, David Blau, Josh Johnson, you know, Nick, you know, David Fails. I mean, the, the 10 people that you've you had go, in here. You're going to Tom yeah. Savage. I mean, every, every, the bus too. Tom Savage, Chad Kanoff. I mean, yeah. everyone that they've had in here, right? Um, so I think there's there's enough of the, the that type of player out there that um, whether you don't get Case Keenum and you end up with Ryan Fitzpatrick or, whether, you know, whoever the case is, I think you can get that guy and you can be kind of choosy without, you know, waiting for, uh, or you know, without picking up scraps off the off the heap. You need to. You need to be. You know, the worst case scenario in this whole thing is that Stafford does get hurt. Let's say Fitzmagic comes in, lights it up. You know, five touchdowns in his first two three games, and Stafford wasn't maybe playing great to begin with. Comes back, he's struggling, and then what do you do? People are going to be screaming for you know Fitzpatrick to come back in and all that stuff, but. The good thing is you have that offense with Daryl Bevel. It's it's doing well. There's obviously different things they got to do. They got to consider the t the running back position as well. All these different things. Nothing's ever complete, but that offense is is functioning well. You get a good quarterback, a good established veteran in here. Go ahead, keep going. And I'm just, just checking. Just, and checking your voicemail. Um, so you know that's that to me is important. And there's so many other things. And I agree, the defense needs help and all this other stuff. And but but to me, that's the number one. Issue, and like you said, we have never had, you know, and, and a part of that is I think it's political, and the Stafford doesn't want a rival, you know, he doesn't want somebody who's possibly going to unseat him. And every year, he probably grows a little bit more insecure about his, you know, con total control over the position as much as, you know, he's I respected don't know about that. it. Well, Stafford's not dumb. He's seen it across the league for more than a decade, no matter how established you are. You're, there are footsteps, you know. I mean, there were, when Tom Brady got hurt, what, the last time and Matt Castle came in and people were asking, you know, even in New England, that they was were a asking. Ago. I know, but even then they were asking. He was already, he'd already won, what, three Super Bowls, whatever, but like, is he the starter? That's the number one thing is like when your backup functions well, yep. you're always going to get replaced well, no I, matter who you are. They're, they're coming for us all eventually, Absolutely. you know. Like there's a young kid out there that's going to take your job, I mean, hopefully tomorrow, but probably not, until, no. But, but no, I, I think – you know, it depends, right? Like, yeah, if if the Lions drafted, a, spent a first round pick on somebody like Stafford, anybody would be like, oh, you know, like that's the end of your career. You, you draft the first round pick that high, like you know, you're done in Detroit. Maybe not in 2020, but you know, certainly not long after that. But a Ryan Fitzpatrick or uh, you know whoever the 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 backup flavor of the month may be, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, whoever it is, that person is not taking over for you. I think Matthew has done enough here. 
and he has enough respect. You mentioned among the Ford family, among the people that that really matter. That um, you know, he wouldn't have anything to worry about in that regard. Even if fans are screaming for fans are screaming for Jake Rudock and Kellen Moore and all these people in the preseason. <laughs> so it's not anything that that quarterbacks aren't used to. But certainly, you know, Stafford's back. The the recent injury history. I think we both agree that. Um, it's of the utmost importance for the Lions to make sure that they have some insurance next year because, again, I didn't think it was a valid excuse now. As I've said before, the roster, this is how they built it, right? So you live with it. You know, they, I know the Forge championed the, the depth, but obviously the depth wasn't good enough when you lose seven straight. Um, but they can't go through this again. And Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, it's been made very public that they can't do that. Otherwise, you know, their jobs will, will, will be gone. I just hope that I hope that, that that they're allowed to do it their way, you know, and that's that's the whole problem or the the issue potentially with like a backup quarterback or any, any position really, but the quarterback is the most obvious, you know, highlight position. But you know, if you did have somebody who's a backup and they play well, is it like well, the minute that Stafford's healthy, he's got to go back in there, even if he was kind of struggling, even if and you know how Stafford is, he's going to want to get in there as soon as possible, even if he's not quite ready. Players do it all the time; they're not ready to go, they're not ready to play, they're always bucking like I can get in there, I can get in there. You're right. not ready yet, you know. But there's a whole thing of it. This is this is the human part of the NFL is that they are just like normal people. They don't want to lose their jobs. They don't want to seem like they're not earning their keep. You know, they want to get in there, even the star players. Um, so, you know, that's the, that's going to be the hard part of if it happens, you know, and hopefully it doesn't happen. You hope that, that everybody's healthy and everything the whole year, you know, I'm not saying Stafford needs to be unseated. I thought he was playing really well. And that's part of the reason that they're, that they're getting a second chance, I think, or another chance, but, um, you have to, you have to, um, allow for that. You have to, and that's the problem with the, with the backup quarterback, I think, in the Lions is that they've spent so much money on Stafford and he's their guy and all this other stuff. Everybody loves him in the organization. It's just like, well, you know, why are we going to go spend more money? He's probably not – the backup's not going to play. Stafford's been healthy. He's played how many yep. straight years? And this is the first year that there's a chink in the armor and now he's human. Oh, oh, well. Look, it's a lot to have $28 million or whatever invested in a starter and then another $12 million, $15 million invested right. in a backup. Like you just – because cap dollars again, it's it's right. you know you you don't have an unlimited amount. That's a tough thing to do to allocate that much to one position and that much to a backup. So I, I understand why the Lions have been reluctant to do that in the past. But again, I don't think given Stafford's health, they have that that luxury of of letting that that position slide. Well, let me ask awesome. you this: How much time did did Flacco have left on his contract when they drafted Lamar Jackson? Yeah, do you think? They traded him last year, right? They traded him to Denver, so he must have had two years left at at least, right? Because, and I I don't remember, so maybe the the viewers out there, listeners, can can, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but you you draft Lamar Jackson 32nd, expecting that he's going to take over for Flacco. Flacco was the starter for most of last season until, you know, late in the year, and then I think they traded him to Denver this offseason. I don't think that was a free agent move. I could be wrong. But so then... You know, you're you once you groom that young guy to take over, he he's you know he does. And look, I, I you know I think this is what has gotten people, um, you know why why people get mad at Stafford or why they don't understand the the organization's you know love investment in in Stafford because you know Joe Flacco is a guy that wins a Super Bowl, right? He's a first round pick. It's not like this guy was came out of nowhere, right? The the Ravens spent a first round pick on him and he wins a Super Bowl and. Then you're, yeah, and th- but then you're like, you know what? 
he's he's done. He's not going to do this. It's, it's not working here right now. So what do they do? They they trade up. They they get a first round pick, spend it on Lamar Jackson, hoping that that's a, not a slam dunk by any means. But they see something, they go ahead and make that that decision. And we've seen it in other places too. Kansas City, right? They have Alex Smith, serviceable starter, number one round um, pick, one more than Matthew Stafford in his career. Uh, I know he's been you know a number of places and and isn't the the arm talent that Stafford is, but he's he's a talented you know player. Um, and what do they do? They trade up and draft Patrick Mahomes. So I think. When Lions fans look around the league and they see situations like that, and they see situations like we talked about the other day, Pittsburgh winning with a third-string quarterback, you know, the Carolina Panthers, you know, staying above water for a few weeks, getting some wins with a backup, you know, the New Orleans Saints with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, they they stay in the the Saints are a much better team, right, than right. than the Lions. But when they see a, a backup quarterback being able to keep that team in contention for the number one overall pick, that's when they look at what's going on with the Lions and they say. Well, why can't we do that? Why don't we have that backup quarterback? Why are we so invested in this quarterback who has never won a playoff game in his career? Why do we not have that team, um, you know, the the ability to to withstand some of these injuries? And that's why I think, back to the point that we talked about before, why why this decision to keep you know Matt and Bob has rubbed so many fans the wrong way because they. You know they're not as quick to excuse these last six games as the Ford family has. Yeah, and I I hope that um, you know th- this is the thing with 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 the NFL and and I hope that the question the Fords have to ask themselves, the question that Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have to understand, and the, that's me on both of them. Remember, and the question that the fans need answered is: Do the Lions want to win? Or do the Lions want to win with Matthew Stafford? And if those are two different scenarios because, hey, if he's healthy, I think he's fine. There, there's no problem with him. He's, he's, he's going great. He was having a really good, some people were calling him MVP candidate the first eight games. So, so he, if he can. That was a couple of years ago I did that. Yeah. No, you were saying this year too. Oh, that he was, MVP he was playing caliber football. Caliber, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't disagree. He was, he was playing great. He was awesome under Daryl Bevel. It was nice to see that. Um, you know the wins weren't there, but that was more defense, so whatever. But um, but you can't be sentimental about any position in the NFL. If a kicker's not getting it done, you got to look for options. I don't care if it's Jason Hansen. You know you got to look at different options. In Stafford, you have to be prepared. And I think that's a the Lamar Jackson thing is a really good comparison because if you see somebody you like, like, and they're maybe in the second round, and you're hearing other than the Patriots, Bob Quinn, don't worry about them. But if you're hearing that. You know, someone might move up and take this quarterback, and you're thinking about getting him early in the second round. You move up to the first round. You know, that might be worth doing because you know, let's face it, Stafford's going to be 32. He can't play forever. He's got a f- just a few more years in his contract. You know, you you got to prepare for him leaving or not or falling off, whatever. You know, at some point, you can't be sentimental about this. Yes, the team, the organization would love to win, be successful with Matthew Stafford, pay him back for all the hard work he's done, all the injuries he's played through, all that. Absolutely, but unfortunately, you don't have that luxury. If your if your mandate is to win now, you have to protect your interests. You have to be prepared for this eventuality because you saw what happened this year, and 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 it's it's too important of a position. Whether it's in the draft, and I don't think where the Lions are drafting right now, it's I think it's too high to take either either one of those guys. I don't think are amazing, Burrow or or uh, Tua. So Burrow's going number one. No no shot. Yeah. So I I don't even I'm. 
Tua, look. I'm not sold on either one of those guys. Injuries, other things, you know, are you? Tua, look, man, Tua was going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. It's just injuries. In, and just he, injuries. Job yeah, best. No, no. Job best is going to go higher, too. But So I'm saying from a talent standpoint, like, it, look, maybe this works out for the Lions if they end up picking third because maybe if Tua's healthy, you know, if, if teams are signing off on that hip, Maybe the Dolphins or somebody wants to move up to number three. And so the Lions, then Bob can make that that move where, you know what, you're still getting a pretty good player at four or five or wherever you trade down to, plus you get a little bit of a haul of, of picks, and that really helps infuse talent in this roster. So maybe maybe it ends up working out you know, best for the Lions. I, I just want to say this, too. The You mentioned you know making these, um, you know, the, the moves um, without – regard to, to anything, you know, just, just being a straight killer, business-like with, with some of those decisions. And everybody knows the Patriots do that better than anybody, right? Bill Belichick just has, I mean, he has no pulse. He just, he can pull the trigger on, on anything, and it tends to work out. I, I'll give Bob credit for this. I think he's, you know, done, it hasn't always worked, but I think he's done that where Golden Tate, right? That wasn't a popular move, but people said, you know, I mean, he, he dealt Golden Tate, when they were, what, three and four or something, and they were, you know, borderline playoff contender, deal a good player, get rid of him, get something ahead of time, right? Quandre Diggs, move hasn't worked out, but that was a, a move that was a no-pulse move. Like, it was just like, you know what, we don't think he fits anymore, let's get rid of him before it's too late. So I think he's, Dropping I think they've... Tracy Walker? Yeah, was, yeah, well, I mean, I think they've tried to do that July. in a regard. Yeah. No, again, the, no, those just, are no, two I'm different saying, things. No, I'm just saying he doesn't, he doesn't care that much he, yes. he wants to he has his vision and his convictions yes he will make those moves and i think the idea in the best teams in the nfl like you said they can do that before it gets too late and they haven't worked out for the Lions so far but that's what you need you need to be able to have those the the stones i don't know can i say that the gumption you know right to, to, to be able to yeah to be able to do that yeah. and and so i think um you know, that's what impressed me, I guess, yesterday in that meeting about, about Sheila. And I think, you know, that's what I like about, even though they haven't always worked, about what this regime has done in some regards, too. Yeah, under Bob Quinn. I mean, I'll give him credit. You know, I, I didn't think the Tracy Walker pick made a lot of sense at the time, you know. And, um, you didn't like the Frank Ragno pick? You, see, back in the day, you didn't like a lot of things, Carlos. I didn't like a lot of things. I didn't like the the, the write-down thing was more offensive line. There's too many safe picks, you know, taking an offensive lineman. It was like every year. How many did you take one year? Like four of them? I mean, it was Three, like doll. Glasgow, Denver, yeah, right? and you know, and it's always going to be the safe pick. We need, we need a better. Everybody thinks they need five all pros to you know run you know three yards or whatever it is. So, um, let me interrupt real quick yep. as, as you're collecting that thought there, just because I, I think the explanation here as to you know the Lions have made enough of those safe picks now, and I think um, the belief inside the walls is that they've built enough of that foundation that. Uh, and that's what maybe these past two years were, and maybe that's what you know Bob and Matt were trying to explain that, that we never quite grasped or heard. Maybe it was just being explained to the Fords. I don't know. That now they have enough of that foundation in place. The belief is, at least, that they have enough of that foundation in place that they can take more risks. Um, maybe they can go out and get a guy who's not the right personality fit, but there's enough of the right people in the locker room that they can – you know they can they can handle that a little bit more, or or maybe they can take a little more risky pick in the draft on somebody. I, I'm just telling you, this is I, I see that face. I, <laughs> I I I think I don't know if I, I completely buy it because then you can keep a digs on your team, right? You don't have to worry about you know what impact he might have on the locker room by speaking out against something, or or a Darius Slay. You know, so we'll see how that plays out. But 
I feel comfortable in saying that that's sort of how it's been explained or that's how people inside the walls think. Yeah, uh, within within reason. I don't think you can go out and get a Jalen Ramsey. They're not going to get – I think you get Jalen. I don't think you can get oh. Antonio Brown. I don't think you can get Antonio Brown. Or well, I, I still don't think they'll – waste. No, nobody wants Yeah, Antonio I still Brown. don't think they would take a, a – a risk on a guy like Tyreek Hill coming out of, out of right. because just because right. of the background, right? Different issues, but I like think Le'Veon Bell maybe. I think the the personality fit because they have enough of the right people around. Maybe they can you know get one or two that wouldn't normally be the right fit. In that at this stage of their building process, they feel more comfortable doing that. The only thing the only thing they have to balance a little bit is don't discount how important it was that this locker room stayed together. That through it all, through the losing. Seven straight losses, right? Eight out of nine or what, what is Ten it? Ten out of 11. Ten out of 11. I mean, a ton of losing. And that locker room has not changed. People are not. I mean, we've seen, we've seen probably seven to nine seasons where the locker room was a lot worse. You know, I mean, the, 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 the team has stayed together because they have curated this group of players who are very like-minded in the way that they respond to Patricia. They've gotten, some of them gotten used to them. They've, you know, they drafted their kind of guys. They tend to go to the right programs. They tend to get the right free agents. You know, that's all part of the culture fit. And that's, you know, people like to talk about culture when everybody's winning, but the culture also is important when you're losing. And they've stayed together. They've stayed positive. There's nobody out there throwing chairs and getting angry, at least publicly, or that we're hearing about. So that's that's something that's kept. I think that's part of why they stayed close into games. And that Patricia references of the day how he said, you know, that these players really care about each other. And, and there is this sense of decent camaraderie in the locker room. I'm not saying it's a love fest. I'm just saying that it's it, it stayed together. There, you know, you, you add pieces like Wes Hills and, and Bo Scarborough, and, and it all seems to kind of work in some fashion. They're not winning, but it's they're well, keeping it, you know, respectable. And that's where that's where you're gonna if you throw a sprinkle in a dude who just well, he's really good, but he can be disruptive. And Jalen Ramsey is going to start a war with the media. And, uh, and that's another thing. Let's not forget no, no. the media is playing a part in this. We are going to be watching these guys with microscopes. And every turn, every decision that's made, we're going to be examining it. You throw in a jerk in the locker room who's going to start fighting with the media. That's a lot of problems. That's a well, lot I'll, of problems. I'll say this because uh, I think, you know, you're kind of right. But look, the, the guys you mentioned, right? Bo Scarborough, Wes Hills, I mean, all these people that we're talking about. No, no, all these people are young guys who are unproven, who don't have the, you know, the capacity to speak out. Who, if, if they did, they would be bounced to the curb because they're nobody's in the NFL world Logan right now. Thomas's, your Jesse James, those kind of guys, you know, they're... they're it's the same thing. Who's going to go pick up Logan Thomas? I mean, it's not like Logan Thomas is a key player for you. It's all, like Jalen Ramsey is a difference maker, right? So you, you need to put up with a guy like that right. because of his talent. And, I mean, that's no offense to Logan Thomas, and that's no offense to Bo Scarborough and Wes Hills and right. Jason Cabinda and all these guys that are populating the locker room right now. But when you're that type of player that, you know, when you're not the, the, the A-list celebrity right. in the NFL world, you have less capacity to speak out because people will put up with it less. And so that's why there's nobody throwing chairs in the locker room. I mean, when we went in the locker room Monday, like I remember walking in the locker room and looking around and being like, man, I need like a, a team leader to like talk about this Patricia stuff. Who am I going to talk to? Not here anymore. Not here. IR, IR. Okay. Not here. Not, like there was nobody that I could even think of like talking to. I was like, uh, 
Well, I, I hope Tavon Wilson comes Kennard in. Kennard was in there. Danny Amendola walked in. The, some of the offensive linemen walked right. in. And, and I'm know. exaggerating a little when bit. When you but, walked in right away, it was empty, yes. It, but <laughs> And when I looked around and I was looking at the locker room and I was like, or no, this was maybe this was after the game Sunday, and I was thinking to myself, like, who after am I going to talk to about this? And I was like, I mean, I could talk to Amani, but he's a rookie. Like, that's not Snack quite talk. the same voice. You know, Will Harris, okay, nah, same thing. He's a rookie. Like, and again, you know, they're important players to what's going on right now. But, you know, it, this, it's not like talking to Darius Slay or Jared Davis or, you know, all these guys that and Slay was obviously playing. But, but these guys who weren't playing in that game or who are no longer part of the team, right, there's no Stafford to talk to to, to, to speak on the offense, no Marvin Jones, no, no Kerryon Johnson, even though he's in year two. You know, half the offensive line was injured. Uh, fortunately, Graham Glasgow was in there and ended up talking to him. But, you know, on defense, it was the same thing. There's no, no Jared Davis. You know, you're, you're missing uh, Mike Daniels got hurt. You know, I mean, so, so a lot of these players that um, right sort of player still, you know, these aren't guys that are, are going to be disruptive and, and flip over the apple cart. But I think that's why you're not seeing some of that too, because these guys are, they're just trying to fit in, right? Because if they don't, you're out the door. There's no, people aren't going to put up with that non-A-list player rocking the boat. Um, yeah, but Quandre, would you have called Quandre Diggs an A-list player? I mean, he's a starter, but the Lions. Well, and they shipped him out because they didn't think he was an A-list player, right? Because he's he's maybe he he wasn't, but you know, they didn't want to put up with that voice. And right. so uh, I think that's that's part of it, right? And I Quandre wasn't disruptive in that regard just because you have some personality or just because you're you're willing to say something's wrong or ask if we can do something a different way. I don't find that to be a negative. Um, and I think, you know, you don't No, I, I don't, I think most good leaders, like you, you want some feedback, you know, and, and you want some, it's not good to have yes men around you all the time, right? You need some people that, and not everybody thinks this way. I mean, that's the easier way to go about things is to have those yes men, but you want somebody to question your, your ways in a, in a, you know, a, a constructive way. So that way you can build a better product, whatever it is. I'm not just talking football here. And, um, I think, Again, not just talking football and Lions, but I think too often that's what happens is that people surround themselves with, with yes men and they don't hear what they need to hear in order to, to further themselves, their careers, whatever it is. It's a tough balance, you know, in, in, in especially in the NFL or any large organization is, is, you know, you want some input, but you need it to be constructive. You don't want it to be disruptive, yeah. you know. I think like someone like Matt Prater actually fills that role for Bob, for uh, Matt Patricia. You know, he's talked about it before that he really depends on him and listens to him and he's one of those. So it's just, it's those personalities, it's right? a lot of Matt's, it's the first name. A lot of Matt's, yeah. Uh, and that that's, it's just, who do you have a good working relationship? You know, some guys can say something to their boss that other guys can't. And part of it is the way that that message is delivered and maybe an older guy can say this and a younger guy can't, you know, who knows, right? Um, but that's that's the thing is just I'm saying is it, the, the the precarious idea of adding the wrong kind of person to. <laughs> I always wish we're you going fidget this. more than no. I'm, times I'm looking old. at the bottom of the, the microphone here for those because <laughs> I, I always get worried of when I'm holding the bottom of it that oh. I'm going to hit the button and shut it off or something. John so. Fu told you to tape that thing. You haven't done it. Sorry, John Fu. I apologize. I probably won't do it though. So <laughs> let's be honest. I just I was I was holding the bottom of it and I was like. I should make sure this thing is on yeah. still. Go, yeah. go. Anyway, yeah, that's just it. Just that that you got to win. I'm getting back to the point of you. Hopefully, they get a chance to do it their way without 
being too concerned about political ramifications. And if that means, hey, this, this free agent, Jalen Ramsey was available. Why didn't you get him? Whatever. Like, well, because he doesn't really fit. You know, like we can, we've just heard too many stories behind him by, from other coaches and organizations oh, that, you know, plus he's whoever it is, whoever it is, well, well, know, it doesn't matter who it is, but who, you know, just, you have to, you have to take that into account. And I think that that's part of, you know, you, you should know this better than anybody is if that locker room was disruptive, what would the storyline be that that team is out of control, that Matt Patricia has lost right. the locker room or something like well, that, and, then and he that's would, a nail in the coffin. He wouldn't be the head coach because I think one right. thing that the Fords appreciate is that, you know, Matt has evolved as a coach both yeah. in the way that, um, you know, the, the locker room has bought in, and certainly some of that is the players in there, but also the way that he's, he's carried himself publicly. So yeah. there's no doubt that that has, you know, I, I've said this before, right? They've seen this was a step forward off the field. You know, they, they've seen some growth in some of those areas, even if it was a big step back on the field in terms of record and everything. So I think that all plays into it, too. So Yeah, you're right. Well said. I mean, that's... Uh, you know, I, we're, let's I, leave I, it right I, there. Last word. Well just, said to me. Just, no. For Carlos Menares, I'm Dave Burkett, Freep.com.